it is good to be back. It is good to be back, yes. For those of you who didn't miss me, I was gone for two weeks in Cambodia, and uh, I, it was so good to see my wife again. She picked me up from the airport, and that was, that was awesome. But I have to tell you, it was kind of cool. Last time I got to see the grandkids, too. And uh, Lolly got to the car before I did, and she says to the kids, did you want to see me or Poppy? And they're like, Poppy! Yeah, that's, that's how it is, right? Anyway, that was pretty cool. And they both ran up to me. Was, oh, those, those are good things, right? Well, we're talking about family in this series. I'm going to get there in a minute. But let me just kind of uh, give you some updates from the trip that we just did. And there's no way I can cover everything in just a few minutes. But I want to give you a few minutes. Um, I, I created a video uh, to kind of like recap the whole uh, training time we did. And I probably will post that uh, this weekend, maybe Saturday, I post that video. Uh, Saturday or Sunday, and so you, but it's probably like three minutes long. I didn't want to take time in here for that. Uh, so that'll give you some more. And then probably in the next few weeks, I'll give you some more stories just because it's going to be oozing out of me for a while. Uh, but it was a great trip. For those of you who don't know, I'll kind of give you the backdrop of what we were doing and, and what was going on. Um, we do a training uh, twice a year. And I just go every few years, but twice a year. We had about 165 people again, um, all ages from like late teens, 18, 19, up to 80, 85, I think we had the oldest person was there. And these are all uh, people who are part of churches, church leaders. And uh, we, we walked them through the book of Philippians this year. We had 14 uh, lessons, like hour-long lessons. Then they went into small groups, and then we came back and did another one. They went to small groups, then we did lunch, then we did another one, and they went to small groups. Then we let them play for a while so we could take a break. Because everything we're doing is through an interrupter. I mean, interpreter, that's what, that's what they're called, all right? So anyway, this was our last day. We finally finished. Everybody's like, yay, we finished, right? Um, this is what it looked like inside. That's myself. That's Christopher LaPel. He's been in our church before. He's the leader of Missions of Hope, um, or Hope for Cambodia, and uh, he, he's the leader of that, and so he was translating for me at this point. Uh, it's kind of unique. They have some guys in the back, but for the most part, women sit on one side, men sit on the other. There's none of this like fraternizing stuff going on during the teaching time, right? So anyway, that's how they set it up in their culture. Um, here's a few other things. I just want you to see this. So how many of you remember Larry? Larry's been to our church, preached before a couple times. He'll be back later this year. He went with me. So he did about half the lessons I did. And we had another guy did a couple. Um, but it was, it was a great time. Just a blast to be with him. This is the bathroom that our church helped build. All right, so it's not just a little bathroom. This is a whole storage unit on the side. There's a little mini apartment in the back for their security guy to, to live in. Um, this is the entryway to the stalls, and they have the men on one side and the women on one side. You, you just go on the same hallway. You're in the same space. Anyway, on the other side, there are uh, urinals. And then there's showers, right? So they have, this is, a, this is big. This is a big thing. Um, it prob we, we, we gave them an extra $20,000 to help do this. Probably the total project was around 30000 And even in America, a building this size, your permits would cost you about $30,000, right? So we got a lot done for that. And they built a, you can see this wall. They built a wall around the entire facility, uh, a block wall during the same period. And then we put cement way out here because this area is prone to flooding sometimes in this way around the bathrooms and, and the kitchens right next to it. Also a building that we built several years back. Um, all of that. So just to kind of know a little update on the bathroom we built. And yes, I used it. It was good. 
All right, one well, of the things we did um, after training on a Sunday, we went and visited some churches in an area that doesn't get many visitors. Uh, both churches had tons of kids, and they were amazing. It was so cool just to spend some time with them. And um, one of the places we arrived, and I and like, make funny faces. And like, they don't speak English. So I'm just like, and then they started getting the idea. So they started making funny faces. If you get a chance to see that picture, I'll, I'll post it later too. You get to see that up, up, up close. They're like, that was a good face right there. We did have eight baptisms while we were there. That's always amazing. Really cool. Um, okay, this is, this, this is the last story for this weekend. But this is really interesting. Okay, so here's Larry. Here's myself, there's Christopher. This lady here is from a church in Hawaii who came over to help and do some medical stuff while we were there. Hiding behind her is a lady that's 80 years old. I'm gonna come back to her at the end. All right, so let me just walk around the table. And then Aaron is with Larry, he's from the same church. Okay, this guy right here. If you don't know the background of Cambodia, after the Vietnam War, Paul Pot, leader of a communist movement called the Khmer Rouge, came into Cambodia. If you ever saw the movie, if those of you older saw the movie, The Killing Fields, uh, that's, that depicts that. If you are interested, there was a movie on Netflix that was produced by Angelina Jolie. Uh, it's not a Christian film, but it is a historically accurate film tracing one family going through this whole thing. So, so that you know, Khmer Rouge comes in and they kill, they, they estimate, they don't have a great record, they, they kill between 1.5 and 3 million Cambodians. There are fields just filled with bones. They call them killing fields. And I'm not going to go into great detail about all the stuff that happened. Um, maybe another time for another story. But let me walk around this. These guys, except for him, these guys were all leaders in this, all right? This was Paul Pot's um, military supply director. So Paul Pot is the leader of the Khmer Rouge. This guy was in charge of all the supplies for the military. And if you wanted to see Paul Pot personally, you went through him. Now he's a pastor. This guy was Paul Pot's personal driver. Now he's a pastor. This guy um, went to Cambodia. He's younger. He went to Cambodia as a little kid. I mean, he came from Cambodia as a little kid into the Long Beach area, got into a gang, spent 10 years in prison. Now he's back in Cambodia and he's a pastor. This guy was an assassin. And they, they don't give me numbers. They just said he killed a lot of people. Now he's a pastor. All right? Now, so in case this is all new to you, this is Christopher. He leads this thing. He was a teenager in Phnom Penh when the Khmer Rouge came in and kicked everybody out. Half of his family was killed. He escaped threw his, his glasses away because if they thought you could read or had any kind of formal training, they killed you. That was their plan, to, to start a revolution to teach a whole new people who had no other understanding. He faked it like he didn't know how to read. Eventually, after a few years of working in slave labor concentration camps, uh, he escaped. But before he escaped, he worked on a reservoir project. Okay, so get this. 15,000 people Slaves built a dam with no power tools and no machinery. He was part of that when he was, when he was like 18, 19, 20 years old. The lady was in charge of that entire thing is the lady right there. You can barely see the side of her face. I'll show you a picture of her later because it's an amazing story. He found her years later 
and led her to the Lord. And now she has a church on her property. So here's the crazy thing. These people are all part of the revolution, except for him, all part of the revolution, responsible for killing half of his family. Most of the people he knew. He led them to the Lord by the grace of Christ. He forgave them. He shared with them the love of Jesus. And now this lady can't get the smile off her face. She is the sweetest, amazing. She sat right behind me. I I sat on the lady's side, on the front row. But it's like, then I would go up and teach. She was right behind me. When I wasn't teaching, I was just sitting there. And she just took notes the whole time. And she would just beam and she would just smile. I'm going to tell you, that right there, that, that table right there, is a testimony to the grace and the forgiveness and the amazingness of our God. And uh, it still gets to me because I was just sitting there just soaking it all in. Like, what, what is God capable of doing when he's able to do that? And then what is he able to do in our lives? What is he able to do even in the broken relationships and the problems that we have? Like God's grace can do some amazing things. I don't know, make a great song. Like, I don't know, amazing grace. Something like that. Maybe I'll work on the words, okay? But I think it's a good idea if somebody hasn't already come up with it. All right. So that gets you a little quick background. Um, A lot of you asked about the food. I lost no weight. I ate a lot. So I had rice at every meal, and then we had fish or chicken or pork or beef. At least that's what they told me those things were. And uh, there were some concoctions and soups and stuff that were different, but I, I, ate, I ate everything they put in front of me, uh, at, least, uh, at least tried everything. Uh, but I'm a huge fruit fan. I love fruit. And uh, mango, papaya, pineapple. Dra- I had dragon fruit every day. Um, and then mangosteen is my absolute favorite, and uh, we had that a bunch. And uh, I, I'm, I'm told you can get it in Asian markets in America, and it's like 10 bucks a pound or 10 bucks for half a pound. It's really expensive here, but I love that stuff. Anyway, that's a quick, quick you know, story on, on our trip. It went really well. Um, Right now, I don't even feel like the jet lag thing. I'm doing really well. I got in last night. We got to town about 6 o'clock, and I'm feeling good. But if I do fall asleep while I'm teaching, just hang in there a little bit. I'll wake back up, and we'll finish. All right, that's, that's the deal. All right, so we're in our series, Family Values. The last two weeks, Donnie did a great job, didn't he? You appreciate that, Pastor Donnie, who's teaching? Week one was widen the circle, like include other people as we raise kids and all, and then imagine the end, like what, what, what is the outcome we want to see here, right? So before we move forward with this weekend's message, let me just say this. Not all of you have kids at home right now. Some of you are past that stage. Some of you have never had kids yet, and maybe that's something you want to do someday. Some of you are like... I really don't want kids. I'm just looking around going, I don't want any of those things in my house, right? So you, you may be at all different stages, all different places. This is what I know. No matter what you're going through, God's word is going to be spoken, and he, by his spirit, can give you something you need. And so I want to talk specifically to parents, grandparents about raising kids, but I know that the, the circle about this goes wider than that with some of these principles. It goes into our friendships and other things that we need to you know, pay attention to. But whatever you're going through, I, I think God can speak to you. So let's just pray for a minute and ask God to do that, okay? Whatever you're going through, ask him to speak to you. God, right now, for the next few moments, open our hearts to you. May we hear your word. 
And even if we hear something that's hard to hear, God, let us be receptive and open to what you want to say to us because we know that you love us and you want what's best for us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, you ready to dive in? This week, wait, let me try that again. You ready to dive in? All right. All seven of you. Okay, here we go. Fight for the heart. That's this week, all right? So we've already had two weeks. We got five total. The first two principles we've already talked about. This is principle number three. Fight for the heart. Um, well, let me do this. Each week, we're going back to Deuteronomy chapter six. Let me show you this verse. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five. He says, and you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, by the way, this is the opening statement before he says, impress these things upon your kids. It starts with our relationship with God. That's what we're going to be able to pass down. But love is the key word. By the way, he doesn't start with fear the Lord. Now, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And fear has its role. Like, like when you are a parent, you know, and you have a little kid, they don't know the concept of love and, and all that. You know, it's like sometimes fear and consequence plays a healthy part in disciplining a child when they're young. But by the time they get to, you know, teenage years, fear's not your main motivator. It shouldn't be. It should be love. We, we grow into that. So this is what God ultimately wants as we respond in obedience to him. We want it based on love. Now, let me give you some of my credentials, all right? Uh, for those of you who don't know me, been married 35 and a half years to this beautiful silver fox over here. All right, thank you, Michelle, for being here. Makes that illustration so much easier. Just, there you are. Um, I've been a parent for 33 years and two months. I've been a grandparent for five years tomorrow. Vera's birthday's tomorrow. And let me tell you what these credentials mean. Nothing. I'm also a sinner, and I'm an idiot, and I'm selfish, and if left to my own devices, I can mess up anything. So it's not about me. It's not about what I've learned. I'm going to pass on some things I've learned, but really, this is about what does God say about the family. That, that's what we're going to be looking at throughout this whole series. Kerry Newhoff says this, every family fights but there's a world of difference between when you fight with someone and when you fight for someone. You know the difference, right? When you fight for someone, that, that's, a whole, that's what we're talking about this week in this principle. We're fighting for the heart. We're fighting for our family. That, that's what we want to see happen in our family. And so here's um, another verse I want you to see because I want you to understand you have an enemy in this. There is a fight that's going on whether you realize it or not. The thief, Jesus says this, the thief, talking about the devil, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And then Jesus says, I have come that they, that you may have life and have it to the full. There is an enemy to your marriage. There's an enemy to your kids. There's an enemy set up in direct opposition to your family. And I was thinking about this later this afternoon, and it was too late to find a rope. I wanted to get a rope, and I wanted to stretch it across here, and I wanted to play tug-of-war with somebody dressed in the devil's outfit. Then it would have been a great illustration, but I didn't have time to get it all set up. But you get the idea, right? There is a struggle. There is a fight, and there is an enemy that's pulling in the opposite direction. 
And if, 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 he just, if he just dropped the rope, it would be easy being a parent. But he doesn't drop the rope ever. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. And I want to encourage you to keep up the fight. The fight for the heart. The fight for your family. All right? Check this out. God has a plan for all of this. I want you to see this. This is back in Genesis chapter 2. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man. <laughs> Can you imagine the first time he saw her? That's what he said. Whoa. Okay, that's not what he said. She should be called woman, for she was taken out of the man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother. I underline it so you don't miss it. Leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Okay, now I want you to see God's order, God's plan. It's right here from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 2, he creates everything, and then he creates woman for man, and you've got a father and a mother. And then you have a guy that gets married to a wife. So you have a husband and a wife, and when they have children, they're a father and a mother. This is not popular in our culture. I'm going to say it. I'm going to lovingly say it. God has a plan for the family. And what a kid needs is a mom and a dad. Okay? Statistics bear this out. Studies bear this out. Kids do better in a situation. Now, the reason I'm saying this is not to shame you if you're in a different situation. I think we just know. One of the reasons we grieve the loss of a parent one of the reasons we grieve the pain of a divorce is we know the difficulties the coming that the child's way, right? We, we know that. We know what's more difficult. And we have some amazing single parents in our church who are doing an amazing job. But if that's your situation, that's your role, however you got there, whether you wanted to or not, that's how you got there. I just want to go back to week one. Get a bigger circle. Let some other people help influence and be, be an example to those kids of yours. Like, don't just try to do it alone. Include some other people in that circle. There is a father and a mother. That's what God said. Not only does he have a plan, but he has an order. Okay? And the order is God first. Right? So I want you to go back to this. Jesus repeats what God said back in Deuteronomy. Jesus says it this way, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He adds to that one more, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, these are the most two important things. And guess what? Neither one of them talk about fear. They talk about love. Fear, fear has a place in understanding who God is and he's God and I'm not. But ultimately, love is the thing that's going to propel me to, to obey him. And John chapter 14, before Jesus goes back up to heaven, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He doesn't say, if you fear me, if you love me, if this is all about relationship with God, that's what he wants for us. But there is an order. So God has a plan, a mom and a dad and kids and a family. And then he has an order. And so I'm going to show you the order. I'm not going to just say, I'm going to show you. I want to make sure this is perfectly clear. Here we go. God 
is first. Your spouse is second. Your kids are third. And by the way, there's a lot of other things. These are the top three, right? The, the, in a family, in life, God's got to be number one, then my spouse, then the kids. Pause for just a second. We're, we're imperfect parents, okay? I'm going to just, I get that. But even if we live out our life and our family with this priority system, these little rascals down here, they have free will. And even as an imperfect people, if we do everything like as much as we can, we do it the right way, our kids can still get hooked on drugs. Our kids can still go off the deep end. Our, our kids can still walk away from the faith. Ultimately, that's their choice. God gives us free will. Now, this is the best place, the best way to do it. This, this is the way God blesses it. This is the way God works to us. But even then, we can still blow it because well, that's kind of what we do. Anybody ever blow it? Yeah, some of you didn't raise your hand. What are you doing here? I don't know. We're, we're all just a bunch of people who blow it. That's who we are in our church. So here's the order. God, spouse, kids. That's the order. Don't forget that. But for some people, this is what they do. No, spouse, my spouse. Oh, we're so good. Uh, yeah, that's, those are just ooey-gooey romantic things happening right there. Spouse is number one, and then God, then kids, right? Now, by the way, our, our spouse is a priority. They're supposed to be here, not there. But our, but, our, but our kids need to see that our spouse is a priority, just not higher than God. But they, they need to see that we still care about each other that we prioritize time with each other, that we still genuinely care about each other, we're still affectionate, we still hold hands, we still say, I love you. They need to see that, but it just, God, God does need to be slipping down the, the order. He needs to be on top. But that's not the problem I see most of the time. You know what it is, don't you? This is the problem in our culture. Kids are first, then the spouse, and then when it's convenient and when we have time. You say, I don't know. I don't know about that. Okay, when was the last time you ever missed your kid's practice or game because you were tired? When was the last time you missed church because you were tired, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, yeah, we've had a long week. I hope you understand. I'll watch it online some year. Okay, so that's God is convenient for us. We, we say he's important, but, man, our life revolves around our kids, by the way, the Bible has a word for this. Anything that gets above God. Hey, here's your word. You ready? Idolatry. That's the word in the Bible. And people in American culture idolize their kids. And they call it love. But they literally idolize their kids. Kids take the priority position of the house. This is where we got to be careful. Okay, so anything can go sideways when we get this order mixed up. Oh, by the way, I haven't even got to the good stuff yet. Are you ready for the best one? This is the best one. Are you, are you ready for the best one? Here it is. Some of you are like, I was okay until you put that up there. Like some, any grandparents in the room? You know the temptation, right? Like, I, I've jokingly said it this way. I love my grandkids so much, I wish I would have had them first. Grandkids are awesome. But they don't go above God, and they don't go above my spouse. 
There, there is a priority here, and God has to be first. Now, when we do anything out of God's order and God's plan, we could fall into a trap I like to call credit card parenting. I'm not talking about Christmas. I'm not talking about paying off Christmas for the next three years. I'm talking about this. When we, when we shortcut the way God designed the family to work, we're going to have to pay it back, ready, with interest. That, short, that shortcutting God's system, credit card parenting, is, means we're going to be paying for this because of the way we've reprioritized the way God said that it should be. Okay? Look at this in Psalm 13, 22. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. This is grand, so grandparents, pay attention. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Now, I like that verse, but I found something somebody said. I don't know who originally said this. I tried to Google it, couldn't find it, but this is genius. Listen carefully. If what you leave to them is so much more than what you've left in them, listen, they will blow through what you left to them. Okay, some of you are like, let's try it again. I'm going to read it one more time. If what you leave to them is so much more than what you left in them, they will blow through what you left to them. Let me tell you, the greatest inheritance you can give to your kid is not a bankroll. It's a relationship with Jesus that they have seen in your life because he was the priority of your family, and they know that. I mean, there's no doubt in our family, growing our kids knew that God was number one in our life. I, I will say this. I really, looking back, there was a couple things I would have done differently. One is, one is this. I, I set aside time in the morning to, to read my Bible and to pray, and I like to do that without distraction. I don't think that's a bad thing. When my kids were younger, the way I would do that, get them ready for school, then I would, I would leave and go to my office, and I would do my quiet time at the office before anybody else got there, and then, um, like Michelle would take them to school, I, I'd pick them up, like, or, or vice versa, whatever it was, but I would have a way to kind of escape and have my quiet time. And I'm looking back at that thinking, I shouldn't have been so afraid about an interruption if the interruption was my kid watching me read the Bible. And maybe that would have been a better thing. Maybe if they woke up early, even though I'm doing it early, I, I was right there. Maybe if they wake up early and they come out and they see dad praying on his knees in the living room or reading his Bible, that's not a bad thing. I just, I didn't want distractions. I didn't want to, like, but like, that's part of the example part. And that's one of those things that, man, maybe I would have done that differently. But, but here it is. I, got, I need to put something in them, not just leave something to them. So let's get back to our title, Fight for the heart. Fight for the heart. And I think the heart issue, it's a, it's a love issue. That's why, that's why he starts with love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Or heart, soul, and strength, the way he says it in Deuteronomy. And Jesus adds mind. But this fight, this struggle, is always, is always going on because we have an enemy. Listen to this. If we read the last half of John 10, 10, we also realize this, we have an ally, right? So the thief wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus wants to give us life and give us life to the full or life more abundant and full, depending on the translation. 
And one of the things that, that I've noticed when it comes to this struggle, this, this constant struggle that's going on, is the more I lean into God, the more I keep him first, the more, the more I do that kind of stuff, the better chance my kids are going to see. see it's, not, it's not my lecture about how important God is that's going to grab their heart, right? It's our example. More is caught than taught. And kids watch everything, don't they? Kids listen and repeat everything, don't they? <laughs> when they're like two and three and they're just learning how to talk and all this, you say the wrong thing, it's going to come back. It's like that little record player just going to shoot it right back at you. Like they record and just spit it back out, right? So one day, uh, one of our kids was with me in the car and they, they were really little. And over there, for those of you old enough to remember this, who lived in town long enough, on the way to Saboba, to the country club where I would play golf, there was, there was a cement wash. There wasn't a bridge yet. Anybody remember that? There was, even before the cement wash, it was back because like the rains would come and just wash the road out. So they made a cement thing. And so, but when there was rain, sometimes the water would come up over the edge of it a little bit and there'd be like a, an inch or so of water going across. And I just washed my truck. And a beautiful white truck is a pristine. And I'm just moving across. I'm going so slow because I don't want to splash up. And then I see him. The truck coming the other way and he's not going slow. And he hits that water in like a wave. It just covers my truck in the sandy, silty, dirty water. And I said, you Jack. And I actually used his last name. Which wasn't, honestly, it wasn't like me. I didn't say that kind of stuff a lot, but apparently it was in there. Jesus says, out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks, and out came something I shouldn't have said. And my little girl's sitting there, she's got her Barbies, and I'm just like, oh no. And I'm waiting for it, because I, I know it's going to come out, and it didn't. And I was like, woo, I got away with that one, right? It, it probably came out later. It was in there. It went in the little recorder. That's what it did. There is a struggle, but we have an ally. And I think one of the beautiful pictures of this in the Bible is in Psalm 23. And yeah, the, the picture here is God is our shepherd. But as I read through it, and I know it's familiar to most of you, I want you to think of this through that, that parenting lens, maybe the grandparent lens. Like, this is, this is what God does for us, but not just as a shepherd. This is what God does for us as a parent. So, so see it with that lens in mind. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I mean, he, he takes care of us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We have, we have many pictures of how God cares for us. But think about this. When, when God gives us these pictures, and he gives us the picture of a shepherd more than once, Jesus himself called himself the good shepherd. But if you want to pick the imagery that God gives most often, 
It's that of a family. He is our father. The disciple says, so how, how, teach us how to pray. And, and he starts off with our father who art in heaven. It's intimate. It's personal. We're his family. We're his kids. And when we understand not just his plan, but his order, when we follow that, some really good things can happen. See, again, the reason he tells us the things that he tells us, like the reason he gives us commands, the reason he gives us guidelines and rules is not to keep us from having fun, right? It's to provide for us. It's because he cares for us. You have a toddler, two and a half, three, three years old. They're fully functional and maybe faster than you at this stage. And they get close to the street and you're like, don't go in the street. And they just kind of glance back and keep going, right? Did you tell them not to play in the street because you don't want them to have fun? <laughs> or because you don't want them to get hit by a car, right? So God says, sometimes he says, don't. That's because he loves us. That's because he wants to provide for us. He wants to protect us. I will say this. Some of the times in my life, and I'm going to talk about family now, just some of the times in my life where I have dealt with the heaviest stuff is because I chose to do it my way instead of his. I felt like his rules were just cramping my style. I want to have fun like everybody else. Everybody else is doing it. Yeah, but if they jumped off a cliff, would you? I've heard all that stuff. I was a kid too, right? And that's the stuff I tell my family. Everybody else is doing it. It looks like fun. I don't know why God would say no. But I know now, being a parent myself, I know now the reason he says no is because he's trying to protect us and because he loves us. Reggie Joyner, in the same book, uh, Parenting Beyond Your Capacity, he says, your ability, your strength, your desire to love your children the right way starts with learning how to love God the right way. Where does God start? Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, and your strength. That's what he says. He doesn't encourage us to fear him, to obey him. He encourages us to love him, to obey him, and to love my family. It really begins and ends with my love for God because he's going to teach me how to be the very best version of a husband or a dad that I can be. That, that's what God's going to do by his power and by his love in me. So let's just go back to that verse one more time. Deuteronomy chapter six, it says this, and you must, let's read it out loud together. Here we go. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Again, let me say this. Maybe you don't have a family or maybe your family's grown and gone or whatever your situation may be. What I really care most about, although I want you to have a great family, what I care most about is that you have a relationship with God because he desperately wants a relationship with you. We, we just shared in communion together. And why do we do that? To remember that God wants a relationship with us and he paved the way, he paid the price by his own blood that we could have the relationship with him. See, having that relationship starts with realizing there is a God and I'm not him. That's where it starts. 
And anytime I think I'm really the one in charge, that's when I get in trouble. It's called sin. And Jesus paid the price for that sin. Like Jake said earlier, the way God has made it possible for us is then we just accept by faith what he's done for us and we enter into that relationship. I know last week we had a couple of people baptized, start off the new year. I, I know we'll have many more this, this year. But just in case that's something that's new to you and you haven't had a relationship or you want to start that, you want to talk to somebody about that, we'd be glad to talk with you after the service. Or even if you're online, you're watching this, you can always email us at office at community.cc or use the app to let us know your decisions. Just use the communication card there even as you're watching. Log in there, let us know your decisions and we can follow up with you. I got one more personal note to say before I pray and then we're going to let you out of here. Uh, some of you have heard, but my, my dad's not doing well. And it happened rather quickly, actually. So he was doing pretty, he's still, he's 84 years old, still been preaching every weekend up until the last few weeks. And we didn't know if it was the flu or what it was, uh, but he just basically lost all energy in his legs. He's pretty much for the last three and a half weeks just been in bed. And uh, we got hospice involved this week. We don't know. God's plan. We don't know how much time he has. I know for sure where he's going to be because of his love for Jesus. And when that's that time, I'm going to be super happy for him, even though I'm going to miss him. Um, but I wanted to let you guys know about that. Um, I'm saying something about it tomorrow on my 60 seconds. If you follow those on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and just wanted to say again, I appreciate the prayer. So many people uh, as it started to leak out this week, I uh, have called and sent messages just letting us know we're praying, and, and I appreciate that tons. Um, we'll see where all this goes and what happens, but I just wanted you to have an update because many of you know who my dad is. He regularly attends our Thursday night service so that he can get a message when he preaches on Sunday. Um, that is our joke. He doesn't do that, but that is our joke. Uh, but he regularly would come and then afterwards have his ice cream too, just like everybody else. He loves that. But you haven't seen him in about three or maybe four Thursdays because this has been the situation. Uh, while I was gone, I got to FaceTime him. Uh, Michelle was able to go see him. Uh, he is with my sister who uh, is staying with him right now. Um, but we're just kind of watching this. And so I just wanted you to know what's going on so you can be praying about that. And if you don't know him, his name is Bob. Uh, just be praying that when... God is ready, but that he take him quickly without any more pain or trouble. He's not in pain now, just has zero energy. And so maybe that time's coming. He's bounced back before, by the way. So we don't know. Like he could just like, hey, I think I'm good. And then he's back at it again. That wouldn't be really surprising either. Uh, but we appreciate that. One other quick thing. While I was gone, for those of you who follow me on Facebook, this was a weird thing that only happened for the stuff I posted in Cambodia, it went out. And if you had me on your feed, you would see it. But if you went to my homepage on Facebook, you would not see any of those that I did while I was there. If you can find me on Instagram, they're all there. I don't know why they did that. It's a Cambodian thing. When I got to Taipei on my layover, that one shows up on my homepage. So more information than you needed. But anyway, we've had that question. I wanted to make sure I, I forgot to say that earlier. Um, but let's just take a minute and pray right now. And then, uh, like I said, if you, if you have a decision to make, you want to talk to somebody, do that. If you want to pray with somebody, make sure to come up here. We'll have some people meet you up here and pray afterwards, okay? God, thank you for your love, your grace. Thank you for your design of the family. And even when we mess it up, we know, God, there, there is your grace and there is your help and there is your strength. 
I just want to thank you for walking us through whatever we're going through. Uh, like we've seen in the stories that come out of this Cambodia trip and, and more, we know what you're capable of doing. And it is amazing. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Love you. See you next time.